Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Members of Congress are now being tested positive for coronavirus, and we, you have almost two dozen who are self-quarantining. Do you um, have any guidance for Congress? Look, uh... I know all of them. Uh, They tested positive. Hopefully they're all going to get better. And uh, it's one of those things. It's Congress. You know, it's one of those things. Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is The Daily D.C. The coronavirus crisis is now affecting Congress in some of the same ways we see it affecting thousands of Americans. We've learned that two members of the House of Representatives, Congressman Mario Diaz-Balart of Florida and Congressman Ben McAdams of Utah, have both tested positive for the disease. We're now at a count of more than two dozen members of Congress who are in self-quarantine, many of whom had come into contact with one of those two members of Congress who've tested positive. Uh, But there is, of course, still really important work to be done up on Capitol Hill. Right now, uh, senators are hashing out a third relief package, this one, the trillion-dollar sort of stimulus package uh, that uh, the administration and the Senate Majority Leader uh, have been talking through. Uh, the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell uh, clearly trying to uh, get his party all in in place on this before the earnest bipartisan uh, negotiations uh, begin. These are not ordinary policies. This is no ordinary time. The American people will win this fight against the virus. The Senate's job is to give them the tools that they need. And we're not leaving until we do our job. Meanwhile, the Supreme Court has closed its doors with key cases left on its docket and uncertainty about how it's going to proceed, putting some pressure on the uh, technologically averse uh, traditions inside that court. Uh, Joining me now to discuss all of these things, the impact on uh, two of the critical three branches of government, the judiciary and the legislative. I've got two of my fantastic colleagues to break it all down, CNN congressional reporter Lauren Fox and CNN senior legal analyst Joan Biskupic. Thank you both so much for being here. Thank you, David. for having us. Uh, Lauren, let me begin with you uh, with the news that members of Congress, and I guess this should not be a surprise to anybody watching how this virus is spreading, but that two members of Congress have tested positive and dozens more are now self-quarantining due to interaction with some of these members. Uh, What is your sense in talking to sources about um, how Congress is balancing the need to do its job to, you know, make sure the resources are there to combat the virus and to deal with the coming economic calamity because of the virus, uh, balancing that with their own uh, personal health needs as, you know, A, human beings, but B, elected representatives of the American people to deal with exactly this? 
Well, David, it's really complicated for all of the reasons that you just noted. One of them is the fact that members of Congress, many of them tend to be older. You are talking about members of Congress, many of whom are older than 65 years old, the key demographic for whom this virus can be very devastating. And so there's concern about personal health safety. And I'll tell you that in private conversations with leadership and behind closed doors as part of their caucus meetings, you've seen multiple members raise this with the speaker. And multiple times the speaker has said, you know, we're the captains of the ship. This is our job to try to make sure that the American people are protected during this. That means that, yeah, we have to be here to vote. Now, with all that being said, House Democrats just completed their own call. And on that call, Steny Hoyer told them that he is not going to make anyone come back to Washington until they are actually ready with that third stimulus package till it's ironed out and negotiated to try to, you know, help uh, dissuade members from having any concerns. But I will also tell you that, you know, Hoyer is telling members maybe they could try to do this by voice vote, but these are huge packages that may be controversial depending on what's in them and what can be negotiated. So a lot to be determined there, but in conversations I've had with individual members, I talked with Dan Kildy earlier today, he said, you know, he's mostly in his district, he's staying at home, you know, if he has to go to the grocery store, he does that. But other than that, he's trying very hard to, you know, remain out of the public eye. He said if he has to come to Washington, he'll get in his car and he'll he'll drive because it's just less of a risk. Now, you, you mentioned uh, that Hoyer said nobody's going to have to come back until there's something to vote on. And when you say a voice vote, you mean sort of like unanimous consent almost, right? I mean, in many ways, uh, if it's done by voice. Uh, the the uh, question I have is there's a notion floating around, one that Speaker Pelosi seems to have shut down, but that I believe came up on uh, a conference call with House Democrats and and, uh, the rules chairman about potential remote voting. I know uh, Amy Klobuchar and Ron Wyden on the Senate side have been looking into this. Uh, Amy Klobuchar is looking into that for us. Uh, She doesn't think there's a constitutional barrier at first impression, but we'll have to. It's something we'll have to look at. McConnell has kind of shot this down. We we will deal with a social distancing issue without fundamentally changing the Senate rules. Pelosi has shot this down, and yet it seems like something that should potentially be explored, no? Well, Senate, uh, the Senate leader, Roy Blunt, also shot this down. He's in charge of the Rules Committee in the Senate, so that's significant. But yes, it's certainly something that members are talking about. You saw a group of House Democrats and Republicans actually send a bipartisan letter to Speaker Pelosi and McCarthy trying to get them to understand some of their concerns. But I think you have to take your cues from leadership here, and both Pelosi and McConnell have made it clear that remote voting, for a lot of reasons, one of them being they want to make sure that this isn't abused in the future when we are not in the situation we're on in right now related to the coronavirus. This is not something that they want to put on the table. But certainly you hear from members, some of whom have to go home and deal with sick parents, some of them who have to go home and deal with sick spouses who are very concerned about traveling to Washington and then going back home into their houses with people who might be vulnerable. So it's a real human concern. But like you said, This is also a really important time for the country, and lawmakers do have a responsibility to try to help and shore up economic concerns, as we really don't know what the ultimate fallout of that's going to be. 
Yeah, I mean, Speaker Pelosi described it uh, just last week as being captains of the ship, meaning uh, even if the whole thing's going down, they got to stay and deal with this in many ways. And so it it just, again, it presents such a uh, host of problems. Uh, their work is essential, and so is protecting uh, their health and, of course, for them, the health of their families and, and communities. Uh, Joan, I, I, it is hard to imagine um, – a more vulnerable population than the current makeup of the Supreme Court in terms of the most at-risk uh, folks, those that are older with uh, previous existing health conditions. Uh, you know, that that applies to many members of the Supreme Court. I know they're not uh, doing their uh, daily in-person work anymore right now, but but what are the ramifications in the in the nation's highest court? Uh, that's right, David. It's uh, a branch of government that's certainly as essential as the executive and legislative, but it's unusual because there are only nine members and they're on the older side. A majority is over 65. Uh, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg just turned 87. Stephen Breyer is 81. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg has undergone treatment for cancer four times, including for lung cancer, which could make her more vulnerable. And Justice Sonia Sotomayor has diabetes, which she talks about a lot. So you're right. We've got some underlying conditions with at least two of them. Uh, they do their work in a way that's different from the Senate and the House. They're, they take their votes in private and they write their uh, opinions in private, but they have a very public component that they've now suspended, at least temporarily, and that is the oral arguments. They have uh, two-week sittings uh, each month beginning in October, and we have two left for this annual term. Uh, one set that was scheduled to start next Monday on the 23rd, and another set in April. And just to point up the importance of what they've got pending, one of the cases that they were scheduled to hear in October uh, is a set of disputes involving the president's tax returns and other financial records that have been sought by investigators in Manhattan and the U.S. House. Uh, so those those cases are right now suspended, and we're going to hear from the justices at some point about whether they will outright cancel those arguments or do something high tech. But as you and Lauren know well, this is a group that has uh, for forever denied uh, cameras in the courtroom, any kind of live streaming the way other courts have done and has never done teleconferences, which some of the lower courts have already moved to to hear oral arguments from lawyers. So right now, a lot of uncertainty with major, major uh, cases hanging in the balance. And the very last thing I'd say is as they're trying to face this very practical dilemma, uh, they also have a controversial slate of substantive cases that they're looking at, uh, including ones involving uh, anti-bias protections for LGBTQ workers, abortion rights, uh, and the Trump administration's plan for deportation of certain undocumented immigrants who came here uh, to the U.S. as children, what's commonly known as the DACA program. Those cases have already been argued, but they're right now wrangling behind the scenes trying to produce those opinions. And it's hard to imagine that uh, coronavirus issues as laws are passed uh, may not eventually make their way uh, to the court 
as well. Uh, Joan, here's my question. You said they've had an aversion, obviously, and refused to put cameras in the courtroom. Is there any kind of discussion, even if it was closed circuit, not for public consumption, but as a, you know, a lot of us are using uh, WebEx or Zoom or what have you to hold meetings and conduct our daily business in this era. Uh, could they install cameras in the courtroom? Is there any conversation just for that purpose, even if it was uh, just for the people that would normally be present in oral argument to be able to witness? They could do many things, David. Do they want to do many things? Probably not. I think just as a preliminary matter, they're starting to actually communicate with each other by telephone for their uh, weekly private conferences. They meet, they are scheduled to meet uh, on Friday of this week uh, to discuss court business, but already some of the justices, uh, I, I would believe that probably some of the older justices will not actually attend that in person and will be uh, communicating through telephone. But so as a preliminary matter, they could start using teleconferences to deal with each other, deal with the lawyers and have some component that would, if they so choose, allow the public to listen in on these oral arguments. I think that going to some sort of live streaming or uh, would be some sort of, I should say, audio live streaming. I do not think that no matter what the crisis is, that this court is ready to let video or cameras actually into the courtroom. They could. David, uh, they did show video pictures uh, streamed right uh, live when there was a, a public memorial for Justice John Paul Stevens in the great hall of the Supreme Court last July. And they did uh, a version of that back in 2016 for uh, a memorial service for Justice Antonin Scalia, who died that year. So they they have cameras somewhere. They have they have the technical means. But uh, I think that even these drastic times, they would consider that step too dramatic at this point. I'm not sure the range of what's being considered at first, I think what they wanted to do was simply postpone the March arguments with the idea that maybe they could pick up arguments again in April or May. But as things are looking, it's hard to believe the nation will be ready for that kind of public interaction as soon as April. Yeah, I think all they might be able to do the rest of this term is to actually just hand down uh opinions about cases they have already heard. Um, Lauren, uh, before we go, I do want to get your sense because there is a lot happening in Congress with this legislation that reminds me a little bit of uh, the 2008 uh, TARP bailout. I know uh, just bailing out banks and financial institutions is a lot more politically perilous uh, for members of Congress uh, than uh, getting checks directly into uh, all Americans' hands and and uh, that they're not comparable pieces of legislation. But, but just because of the sheer size and speed uh, by which uh, the the congressional leaders and members are moving on this and feel the need to move on this um, – I do wonder, uh, is is partisanship gone here? Are we just about to see bipartisanship uh, rule the day and everyone come together? Or is it possible that, you know, we we still live in these unbelievably partisan times and that that could imperil uh, the kind of immediate aid that Secretary Mnuchin is at least describing that needs to get out the door right away? 
Well, I think it's twofold. One, we just don't know the answer yet. I think everyone's hopeful that because everyone agrees that no one is to blame for coronavirus, right? This is different than the financial crisis in the sense that I think Democrats and Republicans agree on the problem and they agree that it needs to be fixed. So I think that that is a good starting point. But in terms of this larger financial package, you're seeing that Senate Republicans were working on their own to begin with in an effort to try to come to an agreement among Republicans before they started negotiating with Democrats. Now, you've seen that Nancy Pelosi, the speaker, has urged Republicans to work in a four corners agreement. So essentially working with Schumer, McCarthy, Pelosi and McConnell all at once in an effort to speed this up. But I think some of the concern and my colleagues and I wrote about this in a story today is the fact that Mnuchin and Pelosi negotiated that last package together. And I will tell you that a lot of Republicans, especially those in leadership, felt a little bit cut out of the loop as they were negotiating. It was hard to get their ideas in real time uh, as part of that bill. And so that's part of the reason you're seeing McConnell step in so early now. So I think that there are promising signs that everyone agrees on what the problem is. But I would also note that it is never a great sign when Republicans are negotiating amongst themselves for several days before they sit down with Democrats. That's not to say that they haven't kept minority staffs in the loop. We have some reporting that that is certainly happening, but it just means that we still have to see whether or not this can come together as quickly as everyone hopes it can, David. Yeah, I think that may be a potential warning sign uh, as well. Uh, Lauren, Joan, thank you so much. Thank you for continuing to cover these important institutions uh, as as we all go through this and uh, to just learn about and hear about how uh, these these institutions are able to continue their work, given our current circumstances, I think is really valuable. So thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. And a special thanks to our listeners as well. Remember, we publish a new episode every weeknight, so please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. While you're there, please consider leaving a rating or a comment. It helps people find the show. And if you want to tweet about the podcast, please do so using the hashtag TheDailyDC. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We will see you tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.